Hello, friends. Welcome to Kirk Your Enthusiasm. Today, I am joined by my longtime friend, Dan Morang. You probably don't know him because you're a Dallas fan, but I do <laughs> because he has covered the Portland Trailblazers in a whole host of different ways. I met him when he was a fellow SB Nation employee, but now he is a Monday through Friday uh, radio show host up at 1080 The Fan, the Dusty, and, or I'm sorry, Danny and Dusty show. He also does a YouTube channel. You, right? you do lots of, like, the, the that's the problem with some of you people who do, like, all sorts of shit is, like, I yeah. go through the list and there's just all sorts of stuff. Like, oh, but, my God. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Uh, got the radio gig like two months ago, and it's it's like just grinding, um, you know, for a decade and, and seeing that kind of come together. It's been uh, it's been fun. Have got, you gotten yeah. in any, have, have you gotten in any trouble? Because three hours is a long time to talk. Fifteen hours a no, week. No, we're actually here's the crazy thing. Uh, we're actually moving studios right now. We had a bunch of technical issues, and we actually weren't in delay today. And our bosses came in and we were like, "For those that don't know, if you're not in delay, you can't have a dump button," which means sure. You can't use drop any profanity um and the difference is i worked on tv for years on cable tv where right. if, you, if you dropped an f-bomb it was like ah well no big deal you do it now and you can get a massive massive fine so yes. um I, I, the pucker factor was high today but uh, i made it through uh, this is why i can't do radio motherfuckers See, um, here's the thing man like i'm, I'm more found <laughs> out than you are but like when the when the lights and the cameras come on the mics flip on like you you just change like you yeah. just you just I don't, I don't i can't explain it you just do um but yeah then you know you, you, you get off air and you're like oh you fuck this you know <laughs> you're totally fine it's it's something you can't really like square with any kind of like rational being sure dudes who do that like you're doing this for a living you know jeff mm -hmm. skin wade who's one of the dallas um color commentators he actually has a radio show too all these people do radio i'm like i just i don't think i'd be very bad at radio but anyways. Gavin, gavin dawson's from from up here yes well, tell me, first thing I need to know, so everyone that's listening knows that Portland was very bad last year. Very bad last because... one of their final 23 because they won right. the Right. Really a remarkable, like, the, it's going to be one of those basketball reference seasons, like, five years from now, where you're like, mm -hmm. who are these guys? <laughs> so it's like, so so let me see here. So, you know, you're, you're, Dame Lillard was hurt, basically got surgery on a abdomen based Sl issue slash groin yep yeah that was something that was a thing that he had probably needed to have worked on for like two plus seasons and just four. finally had it happen right okay yeah. four yeah it's it's been something that's it, quite literally been bothering him for years so uh, did did Yusuf Nurkic get hurt am I making that up no nah, Nurk had uh plantar fascia that was conveniently right around the time that they shut everybody else that down. stuff hurts and he's huge though yeah. he uh, he looks really good i saw a couple of clips of him um over there in either a world cup qualifier or a friendly getting ready for your cup yeah, he, Euro looked, best, he looked yep. real good and then see who else like it was just it was a struggle bus of a season is, is i mean norm got answer. traded cov got traded cj got traded like everybody got shipped out and then, give me give me full names so the because in case our roster oh, yeah there you go so you got norman powell who got traded you got robert covington who got traded uh both to the clippers uh the blazers got back keon johnson justice winslow uh and that felt like issues. highway robbery they from what i have been told there were not askers Sure. No, because Covington yeah. feels like a guy who, if he came to the Mavericks, he'd be expected to do too much. But mm -hmm. if with these with the Clippers, he's like their sixth wing because they're yes. just a monster. They're loaded, and so Norm he'll be has fine. A, and Norm had a fifth year, 
Like, so it was a lot of money. Yeah, Norman Powell is one of those guys that Mavs fans thirsted after, and then he resigned for a ton of money, and it's like, ooh. Becomes well, kind of one of those, <laughs> like a poison well, bill contract. I'll, I'll give you something. Uh, the Mavs offered up THJ in a sign-and-trade for Norman Powell. Interesting. So that Interesting. That, that happened this last offseason. Um, so that that happens, and then about, I don't know, 10 days later, uh, CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and um, – the legend Tony Snell are traded to the Pelicans for Josh Hart guys that they don't end up caring about as salary ballast, uh, the 2025 Milwaukee pick. And, uh, really that was kind of the, the, the reset time. They shut Damian Lillard down, mm-hmm. uh, entirely after the surgery. Nurk ended up playing two weeks, uh, after what well, in the January, three weeks into January, they turned the ball over to Anthony Simons. He has the best month of his career. He's yep. so good that they have to shut him down. He, I believe the month of January into February averaged 30 and seven on basically 50, 40, 90 splits. It just pure insanity. They win four games, the final four games before the all-star break. And then after the all-star break, everybody's shut down. Uh, they shut down Josh this. Hart. They shut down Justice Winslow. They shut down Nurkic. They shut down Anthony Simons. And it is a Charles Barkley level hell of who he played for. Yeah. It, it, yeah. How did you end up with Joe Joe Ingles? Ingles. What's so wrong Ingles, with me? <laughs> Ingles gets redirected to Portland as part of a salary dump. Um, Interesting. So there was a there was a desire by Portland to have him rehab. Like they 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 brought him up here and kind of got him ingratiated in the culture. And there was a world where Joe would rehab until about December of this year if he had resigned in Portland and then be a part of what they wanted to do here. They they are very much looking for guys like that, his mentality. Sure. Um the Bucks came calling. He took less money um because the Blazers actually had his bird rice, weirdly enough. Uh, right, but, but in a thirty-four-year-old ACL tear with a guy whose game is not—he like like Ingles is really good, but he could also like age like a banana on a counter. Oh yeah, he could be cooked. Are, yeah, the, the Blazers were basically if they were going to keep him, they were looking to like to sign him for like ten million and then flip him as an asset to a contender at the deadline. That was kind of the way it was being floated. Um, but so they get through the season, they you know they lose twenty-one of their final twenty-three. Uh, they look at their team. They bring back Anthony Simons. He's at twenty-five million a year. They bring back Yusuf Nurkic at eighteen million a year. Uh, both those deals, you know, from what I've been told, Anthony was always getting over twenty million. Jalen Brunson's deal actually kind of forced their hand, and sure. you know, the we're kind of happy to give it to him because they he's young enough. Though, him. how old is he? Yeah, he's twenty. He just turned twenty-three. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you yeah. don't you don't care. His his prime year right now, he's going to be making twenty seven million dollars when the cap's like two hundred million. Like, yeah, that's fine. You they're fine. That. Yeah. Um, the Nurk deal kind of made me squint, but I've kind of been told that uh, they were just there were talks around an extension around under seventy million, and that was just a non starter for Clutch. Sure. Uh, and so they had to guarantee the fourth year to get him to come back because the big market, as weird as it was, Portland just didn't have the money in like liquid assets, so they just right. had to resign Nurk. Uh, they end up using their MLE money. They, they chase some bigs. They went for the best player available for them. And that was GP two, Gary Payton, the uh, second, they got him for a little bit more than, than the, uh, tax, excuse me, the tax line MLE. And then they trade that 2025 first round pick straight across for Jeremy Grant, who fit directly 
coincidentally enough, into the trade exception created by C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell going out. Hmm. So I believe it was in the $100,000 window, leeway window, in order to sneak Jeremy Grant in there. So the Blazers completely overhaul their roster. They get their books much better because really they had some some bad money in C.J. McCollum. They had some bad money in Norman Powell. They didn't. They gave up too much draft capital to get Robert Covington. As much as they liked Larry Nance Jr., I think they were leaning more towards. Listen, we're turning C.J. McCollum and Larry Nance Jr. into Josh Hart, uh, Jeremy Grant, and the number seven overall pick. Yeah, because and you, Nance, you can't tank without that. Nance, like the 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 thing about Nance that no one talks about is like if this were two K, he'd be ideal. But in real life, he gets yeah. hurt all the time. Yeah, you, you can really only get, count about fifty five games. Whereas Josh Hart is kind of a you know he's a tank. I don't even know what he's a he's a six five two hundred and twenty pound tank. Like he's yeah. gonna he's gonna get you a lot of rebounds. The, the, he's the best the, rebounding guard in the NBA. Yeah, like, and the, the, his ability nuts. to put the ball in the basket, I think, waxes and wanes. But I mean, who cares? Because it's that's not really his role on an offense. No. And then in the draft, let's let's talk. We kind of skipped over the draft, but I think the draft. I was going to circle to that. Yeah, okay. Just kind of so leading up to hell, not even leading up to the draft. In March, I got word the Blazers were were chasing OG and an OB. That clutch kind of doesn't want OG in Toronto because he's being knocked down the pecking order, and they really don't want. A guy who's really, I mean, an OG, he's looking for a bigger contract at the end of this next contract because he did sign a, a very mm-hmm. team-friendly deal. And when you're behind Scotty, behind Pascal, you know, that's it's not a it's not a great place to be from for a contract standpoint. Great place to be if you're talking about winning, certainly. Um, and Dame and OG are very close. And they, they tried to work a deal out. Uh, and Masai stood firm. And as I was, I've been told that, the ask on draft night was the number seven overall pick, Josh Hart, Nasir Little, and another first. And the Trailblazers front office was like, no, 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 no. And if you ask around the league, I think a lot of people thought that the number seven pick alone was probably worth about OG. If it, sure. If you I, OG, to, if, OG's a little high on his own supply in terms sure. of what he thinks he can be in an NBA offense. I don't really get some of the – OG's like strikes me as a guy – who will eventually figure out that he should be Sean Marion, not a super high end role player. Uh huh. Who's yep. just like outstanding at everything and really helps. Like, you know, this is this is how a plan comes together through a guy like him because he's really good at lots of stuff. It's just he's not elite at anything, in my nope. opinion. No, it's a fantastic way to put it. And Portland needs one of those guys. That they're, they're mm-hmm. still kind of hunting for that guy. They're kind of hoping Jeremy Grant will be that guy. But the Blazers in all of this makeover. Let's not forget Neil Olshay was fired December third. Uh, Joe Cronin gets the interim tag. He finally gets the full tag. They bring in uh, Sergey Oliva. They bring in Andre Patterson, and they bring in Mike Schmitz as their assistant GM. Right, big deal. One, big how many deal. assistant GMs do they have? Three. They have three. Those three guys. So, they. So, Mavs fans, let me let me explain something to you. Sometimes titles don't necessarily matter, but what no, the Blazers did, <laughs> yeah, and what the Blazers did is they assembled something new because. Neil Olshay, and I can say this, and please tell me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that Neil Olshay had kind of quietly and rather quickly become one of the more frustrating GMs to deal with in the league. Very, very much uh, a believer that he was the smartest guy in the room. And I understand sometimes you need that at a professional level, but 
he seemed to be we have a mutual friend doesn't matter who it is but he often said that neil olshay was pretty convinced that cj mccollum was as good as damian lillard and yes. was more interested in and it's just like as much as i it's just like like being more interested in being right that yeah in like drafting cj mccollum than building the right team yes yeah, I mean, and- Neil, Neil Olshay at the end of the playoffs last year where Blazers were unceremoniously destroyed by a shorthanded Denver Nuggets team said that their 27th rate, rated defense was not a product of the roster. A roster made up of basically six foot two to six foot four guards. Right, right. And, and you know, that who, uh, Terry, um, what's Terry's last name? Thoughts. Terry Stotts, Matt, longtime Mavs fans obviously remembered Stotts from the title run. Very important coach, very good coach. Who very good be... offensive coach. And and you know, it's sometimes it's it's just a difficult situation. And the Blazers, much like the Mavericks, realized at the right time, and really I, I think that that Neil Shea sort of made his own bed with how he treated employees. Um you just need a hard reset. And what the Blazers have done from a front office perspective is bring in a lot of smart basketball people. Now on the Mavericks side, the the comparison point that I would make is like how the Mavericks really reworked their coaching staff. I'm not really sure about the back end because I'm still a li- the Mavericks don't have enough assets to work with to kind of make me like curious as far as what they're doing with the front office, but what the Blazers have done, because there's still a real, you know, what the, when, you know, we're, we're going to talk about this in a second, but like the outcome for the Blazers is, is varied. Like there's a lot of things that could go right. A lot of things that could go wrong. And sort of where the Blazers are at the moment, this is even before we talk about the draft is ready for sort of a variety of outcomes. Like Mike, Mike Schmitz, if the name doesn't ring a bell, well, it should guys, because he spent forever as probably the most prolific uh, international scout in the league. Like the man knows his basketball. Yeah. And that's so that was kind of from ESPN. Yeah. So obviously longtime draft express ESPN. I mean, he was the guy who kind of innovated public scouting and he forced other teams to do better because he was lapping them. That's the the thing. And he's probably the most connected scout in the world. Yeah. Quite, quite literally. Uh, And what the Blazers did was at the combine uh, Cronin kind of had his eye on, on Mike for a while and they kind of hashed it out over that week. And kind of just convinced Mike of what they were doing in Portland and why this is important and why it pertains to this draft is Mike is the person single most qualified to talk about Shaden Sharp because he is the only one who had seen him do anything for the past year. So so talk to me about Shaden Sharp. You selected him with the number number seven overall mm-hmm. pick and we didn't really hear much about him because he got hurt immediately in summer league, which yes. that happens. And now he's probably out. How long is he out for he's with back. his shoulder? He's, he's back working. Okay. Is so he going to be ready for opening day or is yep. it kind of like a mid November? No, he's good to go. He's back. He's back in practice. So <sighs> the where he, where he got the tear was, it was so small and in the front of the shoulder where you, when you worry about shoulder tears, it's in the back. Uh, if it's in the front and it's small enough, just time will actually allow it to heal. Uh, and they did, and he's back shooting. Uh, they released a video, I think, last last week, week four, of him back at the gym. Uh, I talked to people in the organization. They said he's doing great. Um, but he's this kind of this enigma because he came out of Canada, blew up on the uh, EYBL AAU circuits sure. really late because of obviously COVID and his development himself. He was in kind of a weird place. He had the people like the people around him weren't great, and probably still aren't. Um, but talent wise, he does stuff with a, you know, six foot five, 205, 210 pound kid 
with the ability to create a shot in, this is going to sound like blasphemy, but I've seen it happen twice now, like with Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons. He has shot creation platform abilities of an NBA superstar, a scoring type like. Now, I'm not saying he will be, but he does stuff that only superstars can do. And so Schmitz was like, no, this this guy has juice. Now, it's it's raw. There's there's plenty of things like you've questioned his defensive effort, his intensity, uh, his ball handling. He's got to develop his left hand. Like he's super raw in that regard. But, you know, they had him in training camp before they go down to Vegas. And I'm talking to all the other guys around. And they're like, he does stuff that only dudes do. You know, NBA players, when they talk sure. glowingly about another guy, they don't go out of their way to do that. It's just not in their nature. And everybody in the gym was like, listen, I just kind of throw it up at the rim and he just does what God gave him the ability to do. And so that's kind of Cronin's MO right now. He's going to take big swings. They, they could have gone Dyson Daniels and got a guy who's kind of a connector, who's got, I, I think, a lesser Lonzo Ball. That's kind of how I look at Dyson, which I think the Blazers could use a guy like that. But Shaden's the kind of guy where in five years when Dame's 37 years old or he's out of the league, you know, that he may be a dude. No, it's it's a big swing thing, I think, more than anything else. Because once you get out, once you get out of the 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 top three picks, and unless there's like a long, things can just go sideways if mm-hmm. you over and and you kind of got to be honest about the 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 state of your team. So with a guy like this, you know, I'm kind of looking at the roster construction. I'm guessing that he will probably not get a ton of burn immediately. It's, it's going to be one of those things he's going to have to earn, number one, because who's in front of him? Damian Lillard, Anthony mm-hmm. Simons, Josh Hart, and right now Nasir Little, if Shaden's going to play some three. Like, guys who are – you can basically pencil in Damon and Ant for 34 minutes a night, Hart for probably 30. And Gary, Gary Payton, Payton exists. Is probably yeah. going to get like 24, and Nas is probably 28 to 30. So, like, yeah. if you're like trying to find – time in that window is very difficult but at the same time i think chauncey and uh joe cronin are both like listen if he shows something we'll find a way to get him on the floor sure and if you don't need him need is a dip it's great so then you can develop him in very specific ways strength conditioning that sort of thing whatever whatever you can go towards so then there's one more guy on the roster and i need to bring him up because he was kind of a guy that the mavericks Fans very much wanted uh, when before they they ended up trading the pick for Christian Wood, but there's uh, the guy who my brain will never not read as Kamala Gate, um, which is you know not his name. Kamagate. Um, he lived back yeah. in, in he lived in I think Denver. So the, the the Blazers ended up moving that pick. So they had the Portland had the forty sixth overall. Forty six. Yep, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So that they ended up moving that pick to Denver. So. I'll just say this. The Blazers had a player that got taken the pick before oh. who they were going to take, and that was Josh Minot. But okay. it ended up working out. So they send 46 out. I, they got another pick next year, a 20-23 second-round pick. That's but right. Okay, I remember they, this now. They ended up getting Jabari Walker with the mm. 57th overall pick, the second-to-last pick in the draft, and he may have been the second or third-best player at Summer League this year. That's and right. He was phenomenal. He had the highest rebound rate in summer league, which everybody wants to laugh about summer league stats. I look at rates because if you're doing something consistently and particularly rebounding, it translates. But talking to guys around the league, he put up very good numbers, but more than anything, the the thing that everybody said was they've never seen a rookie play their, an NBA style role so well, so early. Like he just, 
he knows he's not going to be a star. His uh, Jabari Walker is the son of Samaki Walker. Yep. So he's second generation. He understands stuff. Six eight, six nine, great rebounder. I think he was second in the uh, Pac-12 or pa- first in the Pac-12 for rebounding, second or third in scoring. Like just a good player that just fell way too far, and the Blazers are trying to find a way to get him on the floor. Yeah, that's um, gonna that's gonna be interesting over time because it feels like just kind of looking at the roster, and this this plays into sort of what I wanted to pivot to because I don't want to yep. keep you too long. Is you know what are what are expectations in Portland? You know, Portland's a one. I mean, you guys have a soccer team, so that's not fair. But the <laughs> basketball—it's a, a one-team it, town. It is. It's basketball's the core sport. It's the lifeblood I, of the city. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. And so with that, Port—you know, Blazers Edge—that's where you used to work—is yeah. um, one of the oldest sports blogs. I don't want to say in America, but that's basically the it's truth. It's up. It's up there. Um, it was 2006, I think, it was founded. It's, I think it might be earlier than that, man. Blazers Edge has been around forever, it's, and it's, it's old. Blazers fan. And I bring that up to note that it's it's a hardcore fan base. Yes. And as you have found out over the years, as our buddy Sean Hyken has found out, is there's an it's an insane level of expectations that is quiet because there's not the volume in uh, compared to like Lakers fans. So you know, there's only a million people in the state of Oregon. Like it's you know. So what do you do? So what's kind of the expectation level versus what do you think reality is? So ESPN projected 35 wins, which is comical. That's, I mean, the Blazers ended up basically there last year when they lost 21 of 23. Like it's okay. not. Without Damian Lillard, basically without their starting lineup. So the the idea of 35 wins makes me laugh a little bit. Um, and then I believe in another site, I believe the over-under was 41 and a half, I think is what it was. Either way, Damian Lillard by himself is basically worth 40 wins is, as an offense. I mean, when you're talking about off like a, an individual an individual player as an offensive unit, You've got Luka, you've got Jokic, you've got Giannis, Braun, Steph, and Damon. Like that's those are the guys who right now I trust unequivocally to put up a high efficiency offense night in, night out by themselves as shot creators, as 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 playmakers for others. Like that's that's the list. And when you look at that, it's pretty hard to see them falling short. Because here's the thing. They optimized their roster better than it was. And they've been open about it not being done, which that's a change in of itself. Your starting lineup is going to be Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Nasir Little, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic. Is that a a perfect? Not a lot of defense there. Here's here's my my pushback. (laughs) And I, I, I get what you're saying. So regardless of my thoughts on Nurk, because you can only really play one coverage with him because he's seven foot, 300 pounds. Yep. In the regular season, you can play drop. You can play drop every single night, change it up, be a little bit more aggressive. Jeremy Grant, very good to solid defender. Nasir Little is a good individual defender who they're trying to hope figures out stuff on the team side. Uh, Josh Hart, very good defender. Gary Payton II. Uh, Samus Fendiari of Light Years called Gary the best point of attack defender in the entire NBA. I don't know if I agree with that, but I don't really argue with it. Like if you're talking, he's pretty wild. He he's pretty like like he he can do some stuff. He can 
he's 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 a fun X factor. I don't really know yes. if I agree with that assessment, but he can he can definitely cause some chaos. He's the best steals guy in the NBA, yeah. and it, that part of it's not even close. The stuff he does, he generated as many steals as any Trailblazer has in the last ten years in twelve hundred minutes. Yeah, like it's his steal per minute stuff is is it's it's truly incredible. So they they've added defense. They they go out and they get you know they draft Jabari Walker. They just try to fill in some spots to where, like, okay, this makes a little bit more sense. It's better than it was. They're bigger, they're longer, they're stronger, they're more athletic. Because the the Lillard McCollum teams over the past five years were some of the least athletic teams in the NBA, and it wasn't close. So they they closed that gap a little bit. Are they still the Bucks where they're you know six foot five to seven foot everywhere up and down the roster, and they're all athletic as hell? No, but. Number one, Anthony Simons is bigger, stronger, longer, more athletic than C.J. McCollum. The hope is that he can at least be more impactful than C.J. was on that end. The other side of this, and this is the difference between the Dame C.J. backcourt and the Dame Anthony backcourt, because they have more offensive weapons, because they have more guys they can kind of trust, like having a guy like Jeremy Grant who is, well, not the most efficient guy in the league, can be a -a 20-point-a-game guy, which they haven't had since they had LaMarcus. It lightens the offensive burden on Damian Lillard enough to where he's not just a complete shit show. Which and and, and here's the thing: during the playoffs, ahead. Damian Lillard has not been. It's been the regular season because his offensive, much like Luca. And here's the difference: Luca's six seven and maybe the strongest pound for pound guy in the league. Like that's the that's the difference. They they play the same defense. One's just bigger than hell and strong as an ox, so he right. can overcome some of that stuff by just being that dude and so the blazers have to be a little bit more inventive about how they cover that stuff up so and i tease you about this going it it it's a thing that i i feel as if there are a fair number of guys who view themselves as number one options how does that conflict with the fact that dame is the actual number one option I've been told the pecking order has been set. It has been communicated. Damian Lillard is number one. Anthony Simon's number two. Everybody else kind of falls in line. Jeremy See, that's Grant. That's wild. That's wild because because I'm um, shooting the roster. My my roster disappeared. Um, Josh Hart's basically going to run this the, the second unit. Sure. Okay. So like that's that's where he gets his touches. Jeremy Grant. As much as like you can't pay attention to the the there was a there was a post on BR or something like that where Jeremy Grant's like, I'm not going anywhere unless I'm featured. He came to Portland knowing full well what the situation was. Okay, and that's kind of my question, because the noise – I'm just going to phrase it like this, because I don't want to get in any trouble. The noise around Grant Mm -hmm. and the things that he has communicated – Publicly. Publicly and then leaving Denver are – like hackles raisingly weird. Like it felt, he feels like a, like a mid nineties basketball player and some of the shit that comes out of his mouth, yep. because it's like, Whoa, like all this stuff is usually PR washed. And he's like, Nope, I'm the man. So that's kind of the, the real big one for me. And that was where my head was before no. when it felt like OG Ananobi might be going there. Cause it's like, man, this is a whole bunch of guys that have a lot of confidence in themselves. And I'm not necessarily a Dame believer, but there's Damian Lillard and then there's everybody else. Like, yeah. this is just a math thing. No, so Jeremy's kind of accepted the idea of being like the 15 to 19 guy. Like, some nights it might be 15 points, some nights it might be 19. Sure. He's, so, from what I've been told, he is he's locked in on that. Yusuf Nurkic, 
part of keeping him happy was giving him that four years guaranteed and getting sure. him that money. He's not going to get, you know, 12 post-ups tonight. Like that's just not. I will. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if the last two years for him, you know, he's a clutch guy. He's all by all accounts, like wildly, he believes in himself and he does, for good reason, 100%. NBA player, but you know, it's, it's gotta be a tough deal where at one point in time he shared a front court with a two time back-to-back MVP and that guy basically pushed him out of a job. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's just, it's, there's nothing like for me, and I say this repeatedly, this is this is sort of my lot in life. I I think it takes a lot of like professional sense to say, I'm gonna play a role. Mm-hmm. And in that role, I'm gonna do the best that I can. And so it's interesting to me to where if he's hit that point in life where he's found the happy medium between the money and the role, then that's probably really good for for his mm-hmm. career. Because you know, we've seen guys over the last, you know, 30 years NBA basketball. Frankly, just play themselves out of the league. Monte Ellis sort of did this as a maverick, where it's just he thought he was one thing and he's something else. And and it just that you know, Lee can pass you by quick if you're not paying attention. And real bigs, quick. Bigs are just there, there's a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, he like I kind of, you know, you said you kind of were like surprised by his contract, and and I was too, but at the same time, it also seemed like less than what he had been putting out into the void the previous mm-hmm. year. So that's that's an that's an interesting it's an interesting place. So okay, so for you, forty game like barring injuries, barring nothing ridiculous, forty games is a is a, is a floor. I really barring anything going sideways, I picked them on the over. I think I landed at forty three wins in the season, and part of that has to do with everybody in the West is going to feast on the bottom. I don't think people realize just how bad those bottom four or five teams are going to be like, you're going to have teams in the West who win like 16, 17, 18. Who do we, who do we think they are? The jazz, obviously. The jazz. They... I, OKC is going to, they're going to do it. Yeah. They're, I think they will too. Even though not, a week ago, I, a week ago, I didn't think they were. Even before were that, I, I think they're yeah. going to trade Shea. I think they're going to trade him. They should. they should. I would. That's a I guy I would go out. nuts for. Yeah, I would I, go I, nuts for, for Gillius Alexander. Yeah. He is like, he is such a good basketball player. He's a downhill he's monster. Yes. Yeah. No, he, he does stuff that you should not be able to do because he's both super athletic and not athletic at the same time. It okay, doesn't make so we any got, sense. We got we got Thunder. We got maybe, probably at this point, okay, Jazz, so, um, um, Spurs. Spurs, they are going to be galactic level tanking. Yeah. Uh, they have nobody left. Um, Houston, probably by Houston, default, even yes. though I think they're going to play hard. And the Kings will find a way to suck. Yeah, Kings are bad. And what's going to end up happening is somebody in the West is going to have an injury right away and watch what Portland did last year and Golden State did two years ago and go, nope, not even going to screw with it. Well, that's ha- the dirty, like, like I, I'm, I'm worth 30 minutes into the show, so I can say this. And only the, the only, the only people who listen to my show at this point are either people who know who I am and like me, people the who know who I am. People who know who like our show and absolutely hate me and hate listen, and that's basically it. So I'll just say this out loud: like the Maverick, like like the Mavericks are a Luka Doncic injury away from being a catastrophically bad team. Oh um, God, yes. And if if, if that's okay, that, in like that's November, fine. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's honestly, you can say that a lot of teams in the NBA with their number one. I just think it leans more that way with Dallas. But at the same time, if let's say Luka, nothing devastating, but like it's going to be like a four month injury. That team, they would they they would 
deport everybody. And they would tank so hard for, yeah. for Wemanyama. I can't even fathom the level of suck. And that will happen with a, a contender in the West. A I contender mean, I, in the I, West I, will I, dive to the bottom. And depending, you know, this is this is just for the true sickos, and I think we would all love this, but I do think that that the Lakers are sneaking on, on that, that list. cusp. Like 100%. they suck. They suck. I could see them trying to get draft capital back by like, let's say Braun does something. They they like screw it. They trade AD for like to get some of their capital back and they just crash that thing into a cliff. Wouldn't surprise me in the least bit. God, AD is just the most idea of a basketball player of anybody. <laughs> like, he's just, it's like he went from being under, like nobody knew, like, like, like the day to day was his nickname because he'd like fall down and go back. Like, I just, I, and I feel bad because it's like the human, like, like the human body is just sometimes not meant to do this. Like, no. Zingus was definitely this way. On that list, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've kept you for longer than I intended. Do you have any, this, uh, this, smoking- this is what I do, man. Smoking hot takes. You want to get off and any, any any Euro ball, uh, um, Euro. What do we call it? Euro basket takes? That you, any anything you're interested in watching while you're over there? I did a show. Which guys? If you haven't heard this show yet, go listen to me and our uh, one of our many Slovenian correspondents, Matej. That was on the feed. He and I talked about the the um, Slovenian basketball team looking hungover and losing to Germany in a World Cup qualifier. But these games start on uh, Wednesday, and there's the real games. Yeah. And it's like the the Euro the Eurobasket stuff. It's if you're like it's a good if watch. you're thirsting for ball. Oh my god! It, it's a good it's watch. Be great. The, the pace of play. Like, listen, man, I, they got to get that stuff in the NBA. Like, there's so many rules that they've got to get in the NBA. The, to the keep stuff on the rim. Yeah, honestly, I, it would fuck with the history books. But like, the 40 minutes is wildly important. I think because when mm-hmm. you do a 48 minute game you just basically increase the likelihood that the better team wins. And like the thing I've always loved about basketball is that given enough time, given uh, planning and a little bit of luck, the right team or, you know, the, the the worst team can win games in basketball. Like it just, that doesn't really happen in baseball. It's hard. It can happen in football a little bit. That's why everybody loves the variance there. I don't know. Anyways, I'm talking over you as I asked you a question. No, like I, for me, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I like the variance. And now you don't. Now you get it in single games. You don't get it in series. Which maybe if you add forty, you switch to forty minutes. Maybe that variance plays out and makes a series go sideways. I'd be interested in it. Um, but as far as as, as takes go, no, nah, man. I'm, I'm for me. I sat on and watched the Neil Olshay era for basically a decade. And I wanted to tear my eyes out because the guy refused to trade CJ McCollum when he had opportunities to trade for Jimmy Butler, when he had opportunities to trade for Paul George, he kept him off the table. There's one time that CJ McCollum was ever made available in another trade. And it was for James Harden. And even then there was a, well, I don't know about it. And the fact that the Blazers got away from that this year, it's going to be hard to screw with me. Like it just really, unless things like completely crash and even then maybe it's enough where they just wholesale change everything. They took a risk for the first time in basically a decade. And now for the first time in a long time, I'm just interested to see what kind of happens and what plays out because the storyline was so tired and so washed that it's like, by God, thank you. Thank you for changing something enough to where it mattered. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. Well, Dan, take up too much of your Monday. I uh, hope you come back. Man, I'm going to try to do more. I got a, I got a wife and puppies, man. I, I got I got all the time. I ain't got no kids. 
Look, man, puppies are a pain in the ass. I love my dogs, okay? But my they're, they're, they're passed out in the other room right now. No, they're not. They wrestle what happens. They re- they have, like, two bouts during the day. One's, like, from 10 to noon, and then the older boy dog, he gets, like, he was fixed super early, but he still gets, like, all humpy, and I'm like, oh, dude, yeah. stop it. And then I, like, I'll go to, like, break him up, and the small dog is, like, wet from drool. Like, this is gross. And then it happens again at night, only I can't see. And so it's, it's, you know, I, I love these dogs. Oh, you but hear hey, the I, sounds? There you go. I hope you come back during the season. We'll try to make it work out. And yeah, no, I we'll, hope we'll, we'll, uh, I'm going to drag you onto my show. That's uh, what I hope. I want like yeah. the, like the, the, the people of Portland need to hear about me. Do you hear yes. do, do you, the, 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 what, what is it? The, um, never mind. I was about to make a very bad joke. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk we'll, those here. We'll, we'll, we'll talk soon guys. You should, I'm, I'm going to post Dan's all his stuff in the, in the um, feed. Go follow him on Twitter. He's, he's fun. He's one of, you know, blazers have a lot of specific media, but I only choose the best people to be on this show. There you go. Uh, and that includes Dan. So uh, this has been Kirk Anderson and Dan Morang on Kirk, your enthusiasm. I hope you have a uh, good week and we'll talk soon.